I'm Chelsea. And I'm Deidre. And we're giving you a million murders. Hello. How is everyone? We hope you're well. Um, yes. So the last episode that I done. Uh-huh. That you done did? I'm finishing that. Okay. Because I didn't finish reading the whole article. Oh, yeah. Hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot. So I guess part dos, you know, part two. Part two. So. To the ahead. hauntings of Reddit. I'm about to dive in. Yes. Okay. So, this one is titled, The Red Lady of Huntington College. <laughs> Why is she red, though? I don't know. Maybe she's covered in blood. How <laughs> you just say it like that? That's creepy. Here is a story that dates back to 1910, but almost any student at Huntington College in Montgomery, Alabama, should recognize it. Okay. That's because the events that led up to it are said to have actually happened. Okay. As the story goes, in 1910, a young woman who was new to the school was known for her love of the color red. Okay. Sadly... She was also known for being strange and a loner. Oh. As the first term got underway, the young woman grew increasingly isolated. Eventually, she... (laughs) I don't know why I'm laughing. She took her life by slashing her wrists. Oh, no. Her body was discovered in a red gown, drenched in blood... From then on, students and faculty have been reporting sightings of a young woman dressed all in red. She's appeared all around the college's campus, the figure dwelling in perpetual isolation is often cited as a reminder of the importance of being kind to one's peers. Heartburn. Mm. Anyway. For what? You ain't nothing today. Uh, <laughs> Ratchet. The Ashley Street Ghost. Okay, that was the end of the red the red lady. Oh, yeah. Oh. That was sad. That was sad. I wonder what was wrong. I wonder what all happened. Mm. Oh, okay. So, Huntington College is just one of many haunted colleges in America, obviously, because this is the second story on it. Yeah, the one shoot. Before was, okay. Yeah. Each with its own ghost stories. The next true tale comes from the University of Michigan and Kelly. In oh, Ann so this one's Arbor. not. No. As oh. I continued to read, <laughs> you were I was like, interested. oh, it's not at the Huntingdon. Okay, so we're in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Yes. Okay. The haunting happened in 1972 at a party hosted by University of Michigan students living on Ashley Street. Hmm. A 15-year-old girl who probably had no business being there. Uh, Definitely didn't. In the first place, suddenly felt a strange, bone-chilling cold. 
according to the Michigan Daily. In an attempt to warm up, she went upstairs because heat rises. Mm -hmm. That's when things really went awry. One of the (laughs) walls... One of the walls of the house started moving, and a black shadow approached the girl. Mm-mm. Meanwhile, downstairs, posters were spontaneously popping off the walls and falling into a growing pile on the floor. The girl wandered back downstairs, where she found herself saying these strange words, The drugs and addiction were my fault. And I accept responsibility for that. But I was not that way deep down inside. I want to apologize to everyone involved for what I have done. What made those words even stranger was that the girl did not do drugs, let alone have an addiction. Her what? words didn't yeah, her words didn't seem all that strange to the students who lived in the house. Before they moved in, the house had been inhabited by a man with a very serious addiction. Mm. The reason he no longer lived there? He had died of a heroin overdose. Mm. Has the ghost of Ashley Street made any more appearances? That remains a mystery. That's weird. That is weird. Like Like the ghost in her body or something? No, she didn't got... That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Mm -mm. I don't know. I don't know. The ghost of Frederick Jordan. This real life ghost story concerns a man named Frederick Jordan who held one of the most lonely and desolate jobs in existence. Hmm. Is that the right word? Yes. Jordan was the lighthouse keeper for Penfield Reef Lighthouse off the coast of Fairfield, Connecticut. Built in 1874, the lighthouse was primarily a way of warning ships of a treacherous hidden reef responsible for more than its fair share of harbor accidents. In 1916, Frederick Jordan was the head lighthouse keeper. Tragically, he drowned in a boating accident just before Christmas of that year. Oh, no. When he was caught in a gale, G-A-L-E? Gale or Gall while rowing home to see his family. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Um, a is boat. it like a current or a... A boat, probably. It says rowing home. Ever since then, lighting and equipment malfunctions in the lighthouse have been blamed on Jordan's spiritual presence. But even more chilling is that keepers of the Penfield Reef Lighthouse often find the lighthouse locked. Oh, it's hooked. like a storm. I'm sorry. Caught in a gale is like saying you're caught in a storm. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, found the lockbook open to the day Jordan died, and locals have recounted witnessing an unidentifiable figure appearing on the water to help stray boats find their way to safety near the reef. Well, at least he's nice. Yeah, he's a nice little friendly ghost. The next one is titled The Ghost Who Came to Play. Mm, I don't Mm -mm. like that. Nope, I don't either. What y'all playing about? Mm -mm. (laughs) 
They be playing all the time. Like, they think it's funny or something. It's they do. not funny. They cracking up. <laughs> like, no thank you. This true ghost story might strike you as more awe than eek. But only until you consider that we really have no idea what our four-legged friends can sense that we cannot. Mm-hmm. Can dogs see ghosts? Well, there are plenty of dog experts out there, including veterinarians who will arrest, who will attest to the fact that there's lots of documentation that could support the notion that dogs can see, can sense paranormal activity. Mm. Which we know to be true. Yeah. And then there's the fact that this story came to... Reader's Digest directly from a well-known psychic medium, Christy Robinette. Hmm. Okay. Is that how you say her last name? R-O-B-I-N-E-T-T. Yep, Robinette. Who has a strong record for using her ghost whispering skills to help detectives solve confounding cases. Hmm. So, okay, so the story... Mm Mm-hmm. Marlene settled onto her side of the bed and patted Jack's pillow beside her. A year had gone by, but Marlene was still adjusting to widowhood. Maybe it was crazy to think that after 40 years of marriage, she would ever adjust. Elmer, the golden retriever, seemed to understand this from the very first. That cold, moonless night when Marlene returned home from the hospital, Elmer did something he'd never done before. He jumped up onto Jack's side of the bed and lay his head on the pillow. Mm. Jack would never have allowed it, but Marlene didn't shoo him off. Instead, she lay down side, she lay down beside Elmer and let the peaceful sound of his snoring lure her to sleep. The next night was the same, and the night after that. That was cute. It was. It was I mean, there's cute. still more to it, so I don't know why I said that. <laughs> Over the past year, it had grown into a comforting routine, but not tonight. Tonight was the first time Elmer had left Marlene alone in the bed since Jack's passing. But hearing nails clicking on the wood floor downstairs, Marlene recognized the sound of Elmer requesting outsies. (laughs) With a sigh, Marlene made her way down the stairs to the foyer, but Elmer wasn't pacing in front of the big oak door. Rather, he was dancing and wagging and wagging and bowing, just like he used to do when Jack would come home from work. Oh. To Marlene, it felt as if Jack had just come home and who and Robinette, who is known for her remarkable intuition about these things, believed that 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 is indeed what happened. That was Aww. cute. The doggy's seeing a little ghost of his his little parent. I love it. The next one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Lost Colony of Roanoke. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, girl. Okay. It's a mystery that's hundreds of years old. Roanoke Colony was one of the first European settlements in the United States. Mm-hmm. located on an island off the coast of what is now the state of North Carolina. The colony was established in 1587 under the auspices of the first Queen Elizabeth. 
Soon after, the colony's leader, John White, returned to England from where the settlers came. Mm -hmm. His trip was meant to be brief. He was only meant to grab supplies and return to the New World, but political upheaval in the form of England's war with Spain prevented White from returning until 1590. Mm-hmm. It was only three years, but a lot, ch- a lot had changed when John White returned. In fact, the entire colony consisting at the time of 115 people, including a newborn baby by the name of Virginia Dare, was gone. Mm-hmm. Just up and vanished. All that was left was a post onto which the word Cro- Croatoan. Croatoan had been carved. Croatoan referred to the name of a native tribe that had been on good terms with the settlers. So White thought the colonists had moved to Cro- <laughs> Croatoan. Croatoan. Croatoan Island, now known as Hatteras, North Carolina. Maybe. How do you spell it? H-A-T-T-E-R-A-S. Yeah, Hatteras? Hatteras? I don't know. Hatteras. (laughs) (laughs) I'm hollering. But they had not. It remains one of the most famous disappearances that no one can explain. What's more, there's never been any evidence to suggest the colony was massacred. Mm Mm-hmm. Many believe that baby Virginia grew into a beautiful young woman, one who eventually fell into a doomed love affair with a native warrior by the name of Akisko. To this day, she... I love how you just say it fast because you're not 100% for sure. So you're like, Akisko? Akisko? Like, I don't know. Uh Uh-huh. To this day, she haunts the woods in search of her man, often in the form of a white deer. One that always vanishes at dawn. Mm. According to NCpedia, a state encyclopedia maintained by the North Carolina Government and Heritage Library. <laughs> you got so <laughs> Long-time residents of the island have no doubt that the identity of the phantom deer is the ghost of Virginia Dare. If you're itching for an explanation as to how an entire colony could just disappear, you're not alone. On the positive side, it's one of a handful of mysteries that could be solved in the next decade. Really? I hope so. Where'd they go? I was wondering what the haunting was going to be for Roanoke. No. (laughs) Yeah, that is crazy. Virginia. So they think Virginia Dare haunts, grew up and haunts the place. Mm -hmm. Because there's no sign of Virginia Dare. First... What now? English settler born in what would become 15. America. Yeah. So that's weird. So somebody haunting stuff. But yeah, no, there's literally no sign of them. Where'd they go? Where did they come yeah, from? That's crazy. We know where they came from, but where did they go? Where did they come from? Cutting Joe. Okay. So the next one is titled The Prince, The Princes in the Tower. Oh, yeah. Okay. This is the story of two young princes, brothers Edward and Richard, who were imprisoned in the Tower of London to prevent them from becoming king and heir apparent, respectively. In April 1483, when King Edward IV died, his eldest son, Edward V, 
who was just 12 years old, briefly became king. Because of his young age, he had regent appointed. The regent was the young king's uncle, known as the Duke of Gloucester. This uncle was known to be deeply resentful that the boys even existed. If it weren't for them, he would have been next in line of secession. Mm-hmm. What happened next is in mystery. Indeed, it is one of the strangest British royal family mysteries. <laughs> did, it, did it say something else and you just decided to say a mystery? <laughs> what did it say? <laughs> oh my what God. happened next is shrouded, shrouded, shrouded in mystery. It oh appe- I'm trying to read it Chelsea proof, okay? It appears that the young king and his brother Richard, the Duke of York, were kidnapped and locked away in the Tower of London, after which the Duke of Gloucester declared himself King Richard the Third. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the two young princes were never seen or heard from again, and two small skeletons that were eventually found in the tower are believed to be all that that's left of them, other than the ghostly appar- apparitions. That is. Is that not right? It is, but oh, you always trip up on that when I was like... I knew you was about to say it, so I was like, I got an apparition. <laughs> I said it real fast. Yeah. Apparitions. British papers have reported on visitors who claim to have seen the ghostly figures. It is tabloid fodder or proof to the paranormal. Mm-hmm. That's for you to decide. Ugh. <laughs> Good story, but not Chelsea worthy. Like to read. <laughs> yes, no. He literally okay. locked those kids away, honey. The next one is in 1877, and they always have like these weird, like these big words, and I don't know why <laughs> I even try. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because I don't, I just don't get that one word. The white deer, the diaphanous. It oh, was, yeah. it means like translucent, light, and delicate. Like, like it's basically a Patronus. <laughs> she a Patronus that's from Harry Potter. How, so that's the end of an error. <laughs> that is all. That was good. I really like, I love that King Edward story. I mean, it. what happened to them babies? They don't know what happened to them because they, once they I found know, them, they were skeletons. Sad. Just left them up in there. Yeah, it's horrible. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Stuff was stuff was crazy. Now, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, I think he's the one. Richard the Third, the one who did that to them. I think he's the one that was found in a parking lot, buried. For what he got? Yeah, like he wasn't buried with all the other royals. Like they found him in a parking lot. You reap well, what, what is you now sow, a parking lot? You reap what you sow. Yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, so um, if you have any questions, comments, and concerns. Yeah, it was him. Sorry. I had to look it up real oh, quick. It was him. Yeah. He was the one who was found under a car park in the city of Leicester. I hmm. think that's how you say it. Let me see what he looked like. Ratchet. Ugh. I mean, oh. Uh, Lord Farquaad? <laughs> in human form? Do lockers. Do lockers. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Oh my. But yeah, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, 
You can email us at AmeliaMarlers at gmail.com. You sure can. And you can also go to our Instagram and look at the people, places, things, lovely artwork. Deidre's lovely artwork. <laughs> whatever you want to do, please follow us. That would be You nice. can have whatever you like. You like. Yeah. Okay. Covers on deck. <laughs> Covers on Ice. So, yeah, go to that. And you can go to our Facebook page, A Million Murders. We have a page and a group. And we try to post at both of them, mm -hmm. both sites, what's going on, if things are going to be late, if you what's need an update. All the things, yes. Well, thanks for tuning in. And we hope you come back for A, a Million, million more. more. Bye. Bye.